Hi, all. Thanks so much for watching Speaking of Founders Mission. I'm Stephanie Fields, and today I'm joined by Deborah Wyatt, who is the Chief Experience Officer at Sicilian Partners. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks, Stephanie. I'm excited to be here. I am too. So I'd love to hear you tell me a little bit about what is your role as Chief Experience Officer at Sicilian Partners? Yeah, so my role within Sicilian Partners is to really advocate for everything that we do technology-wise, how we work with our clients and builder partners across the country, and really leveraging technology to, to streamline their processes and create a better customer experience for them internally as well as externally with prospective buyers. And then there's a lot of things that you can do relating to your role and then helping these builders and developers work with the health of their community and improve the health of their community. So how do you do that? What are the things that you go through and you help these builders, developers do to make their communities healthier? Yeah. So a lot of times it's just giving them kind of the third party look at, at what they're currently doing and identifying ways for them to leverage from a communication standpoint of connecting consumers with what they're actually doing. So a lot of times they already have trails, they already have great amenities and access, but a lot of times that kind of gets left to messaging. And so, you know, finding ways for them to either leverage technology to bring in kind of those insights um, into their communication or identifying ways for them to promote what they're doing. So sometimes developers or builders will get various certifications that are out there um, from green initiatives to that type of stuff. And then they kind of promote it in these ways of these, you know, findings of air particulates and these types of things and air quality and, and water this and to the average consumers, that makes no sense to them. They have no idea what actually is good or considered bad and what to look for and what to ask. So really helping them identify what they're currently doing leveraging it from a consumer standpoint of communicating it in a way that actually resonates with consumers um, to help promote that. And then additionally, allowing them the opportunity to identify small ways that they can promote better health and wellness within their community. Maybe it's in a future phase, maybe from a builder standpoint, it's different product offerings or just understanding the idea of natural light in a home and how you can actually tie that into, you know, mental health for somebody's family and what they're doing. So helping them identify those types of things to really bridge the gap between consumers and the built product. What are some of the things you mentioned a few of them that people might not necessarily associate with health of their home that you can help with, or, you know, that you find to be particularly beneficial? Um, if we think about just the benefits of changing your air filter and you're heating an HVAC on a regular basis, the amount of air quality improvement that that can have. But there's also things that a builder can do that they typically are already doing before a resident moves in, like blowing out their AHVC, you know, making sure all that construction dust and debris is out of the ducts. Um, and that's typically, so that's like an industry standard. However, if a builder takes the two seconds, if you think about, I know my car mechanic, when I go in for an oil, oil change, I get a video of it up on the thing, up on the docks. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm looking at. Um, but they'll specifically show like before and after of a service. So if you're a builder, that's something super easy that you could do is do a before and an after of those docks. So then it just kind of shows from an emotional standpoint of like, 
we're taking every aspect seriously when it comes to your health in your new home and the air quality that you're going to breathe that you can't see. So that's one example that I would say. When you and I talked, you said this is something that's been important to you for a while, but you really, it just kind of hit home when you moved to Colorado. Yeah. So, you know, born and raised in the Midwest and, you know, health was kind of second fiddle to it for the most part. Like in me growing up, it was more like, you know, diet wasn't really there and it was, you know, you had to work out like crazy and that just wasn't my thing. Um, but when we moved to Colorado almost 14 years ago, you just kind of intrinsically started to see more people out and about, you know, enjoying the outdoors and thinking people were crazy riding their bike in 50 degree weather. Now I'm one of those crazy people. Um, and so I started to, to get passionate about it when I moved into this real estate aspect well over a decade ago and seeing the power and the impact that a community can have on someone and not necessarily Necessarily, you know, being able to go get a cup of sugar from your neighbor, what have you when you need it, but, you know, finding those opportunities to kind of create and promote health and wellness that's attainable and easy to implement in a day-to-day kind of process. So it, it becomes more like habitual and easy versus this like, okay, we've got to go do an hour workout every single day. And it's just like, I can't do that, but I can get out and walk for 10 minutes at a time. Like, so identifying ways to kind of make health more attainable to everyone and every demographic is really kind of where my passion kind of ensued and kind of led to, um, and creating those experiences for folks. So if you were put back where you grew up now, yeah. knowing what you know after living in Colorado, what things would you do, even you know, with the limitations that you have about the sidewalk not being there, what would some of the things, your first step say, okay, I'm back here, I'm in this environment that's not necessarily set up in this ideal way, here are the five steps I'm going to take to be able to control the environment that I'm in. Okay. Um, maybe not five, but I think my, my first approach would be to try to find those few like-minded people that are out there. Um, cause typically they're more than likely driving 20 minutes to go find a gym or those types of things and really trying to identify ways that, you know, we can be more visible in how we're approaching health, because as we know, you know, the world is very influential and, you know, we all think from, a uh, woman to woman conversation, if you've got a product that you're using that you love and you tell your friend, she's going to buy it. Um, so if we think about, you know, how we can kind of lead by example and being out and being visible and trying to just help educate in general, um, I think is one thing that I would do. Another thing I would do is try to go to, you know, the local um, chamber, for example, and try to leverage those local businesses and saying, hey, I have this idea. I want to try to create a campaign to get people walking. Would you offer somebody an opportunity to, you know, offer them, you know, free drinks or a free appetizer or, you know, $5 off 25 or more if they walked or rode their bike to your business, you know, from a restaurant standpoint and, you know, finding interesting ways to kind of leverage that local small town feel, but also kind of extending it into this kind of community-based option, right? Of, you know, how can we get people moving? How can we get them 
to, to live healthier because we want them to be around longer. We want them to, you know, live their life to their fullest and, and trying to help educate along those lines, I think would be kind of those, those two bigger buckets that I would pull from and then identify ways that makes the most sense for, you know, that consumer and, and what's there. So. What are some of the ways within somebody's own home that they maybe, maybe they just bought a house that's older and doesn't have all of the technology. What are the first things that you would tell them to address that can make them biggest impact on their health immediately? Yeah. So, um, obviously we spoke about, um, air quality. The other thing would be to look at your water quality. So really those are the two things that you consume on a consistent basis all day, every day. Um, so, you know, if running some tests, you can get stuff that's really simple online to kind of run that, identifying if you need to make some updates, whether it be filtration, those types of things. Because um, a lot of times, and I actually heard on a podcast earlier that, you know, just 56% of our tap water in this country isn't necessarily the best tap water to be drinking, but a lot of times we just trust it. Um, and so, you know, identifying those two things, I think would be your, your first two. And then I would also look at how you utilize your space and leverage as much natural light as you can. And so if you have, you know, a bedroom that's South facing that you really were going to allocate as a bedroom, but you also need an office, maybe flip those. So that way, as you're working throughout the day, you have more natural light, even if you're sitting there constantly, um, you can kind of leverage that aspect as well versus the other way where you're kind of secluded into north facing. It's just kind of dark. You've got to kind of bring in all this natural light, fake natural light. Um, so I think those are kind of some low hanging fruit options. And then there's obviously, you know, more expensive options that you can do would be to like replace your HVAC and, and those types of things. But I think there's some simple things that you can do. Um, to help benefit you as well as, you know, simple, even more simple as houseplants. You know, I don't have a green thumb, but I'm doing good. I haven't killed a couple in the last year. What do you months. have? Because I kill everything. Oh, so um, I have a spider plant. That's pretty easy. Um, and then I have like this crazy, I actually don't even know what kind of plant it is. I got it from a neighbor, um, but it's still alive. So <laughs> If it's not a mammal, I'm killing it. I mean, yeah, I just, yeah no, I know. Oh God. And succulents. I can't keep a succulent alive. And I'm like, these are supposed to be the easiest things. Well, if, if it makes you feel any better, I almost killed my neighbor's succulent watching it while she had surgery. Cause I didn't think you really needed to water it. Yeah. And then she, then I took it and it was like, oh wow, they're getting wrinkly. I guess it needs water. Okay. <laughs> I know it's, those are not for me, but the snake plant. And we were looking and trying to find ones that say like the O2 for you at Lowe's. Right. And the snake plant was like indestructible. And so far it is still, I have two of them on my mantle and on my fireplace. And they, I think are alive. They haven't become green or, or I'm sorry, brown or wilted. So, but that was one thing that we thought, okay, what can we do? You know, you do the things, you change your filters. We live in a neighborhood that has sidewalks. But then it's like, what else can I do that I can change? You know, the water quality report actually came last week and I looked at it and I was like, mm, I don't know what any of this means. You know, I, I feel yeah. like I'd still need to investigate because it's like it has this much, you know, either there was like, do you add fluoride? And I don't remember honestly if it was yes or no, but I felt like, okay, now I need to go research. Should there be fluoride in water? And then I can better 
gauge whether or not I'm happy about their answer to this FAQ. Right. right. Like, so right. the small thing that we started with was the plants, but now it's like, what else could we do in our house? We live in a newer house. It's one year old that could, we could actually change at this point that could add to whatever the builder standards already are. Right. Right. Well, and you raised a great point. Like you got that report and you're like, now what? You know, so for that report to say, okay, based on these findings, here are some things that you can do to get this to be like the best water Um, or to say, you know, you're within normal range, but if you want to make improvements, here would be our suggestions of how to go to do so. Here's a, you know, the cheapest option, more affordable, you know, all the way up to X, Y, Z. And I think that's kind of where that gap is because, you know, you said you're going to go research, but your time is precious. Um, and you may not go and research it until one day you're like, our water, does our water taste funky to you? Um, and so I think that's where we have to kind of take that extra step in initiative, especially when communicating with consumers and making it easier for them to make the choice. You know, we're not going to be able to force them into making a choice, but if we make the choice easy for them, they're more than likely to do it. So I was going to say, I think it seems like in so many areas related to home health or really anything in life, but particularly with home health, it seems like communication is one of the biggest improvements that needs to happen because I think people are communicating, for example, getting the water report and we constantly get something saying that we could get, you know, we have whatever power company, but then they could also provide clean energy you know, it's an additional cost, but it's still coming, blah, blah, blah. And we've thought about it, but then there's just like too many unanswered questions and then it requires more research. So I'm like, I'm not going to deal with this right now. Right. You know, it's like, they need to find a way to make things easier to understand, you know, here's what it matters. Here's why, you know, the who, what, when, where, why, how type of thing on there and make it easy. You have to provide some kind of education of why this matters of the pro and the con, even if it's something you want somebody to choose, you still have to tell them why it's negative to choose. So they have some frame of reference, right? Because like in that scenario, I'm just like, well, how, if we're all getting power and it's all being supplied by the same company and we're getting the clean energy, how do they make sure that our house is getting the clean energy, but those two aren't, that doesn't, you know, I don't, still not sure how they manage that. And it doesn't really seem possible to me. So it's just really interesting, but it's like communication is where I feel like people need to start so that people understand what the heck they're talking about and how they can do it instead of just word vomiting at them. Right. And in words that you never hear in your day to day, it's not like you, you know, go to dinner with your, with your friends and you're like, so what's your latest uh, air quality or pressurization in your home these days? Have you noticed a difference with this front that's moved in? And you're like, no, no, what, (laughs) you know, but I think it's, it's very impactful for, you know, especially utility companies and things along those lines to kind of think about that, especially, you know, I'm in Colorado, knock on wood, we haven't fully had fire season start, but my husband and I were talking about it last night at dinner of like, oh gosh, I really hope it's not a long season like it was last year because you couldn't go outside. Like, I mean, you just couldn't, your eyes and we're, we don't have allergies, but you know, your eyes would burn and get itchy after about 10 or 15 minutes. 
um, because it was so smoky. And so obviously then we realize how important air quality is, but all of that stuff's still trying to get into your house in some way, shape or form. And so how can we create an app, you know, those options of being proactive and communicating with consumers of, okay, fire season's coming. Here's how you can still keep safe. If you have to be outdoors, here's what you can do indoors to kind of, you know, keep from going stir crazy. Um, and what to look for if, you know, you start to have symptoms, how can you start to mitigate that? And I think those are some things, like you said, from the communication aspect, communication is one thing, but then there's also the education because once you educate, you know, your messaging gets a lot easier. Mm -hmm. And then people don't just disregard it. Like, you know, like I look at that thing every time they send me the clean energy and I'm like, I still don't know what this is. I still haven't had time to research. So they'll send me that in a quarter again, going back to fire season, totally skip around. That's a huge concern right now in the West. What do people do if they're living in a place that's, you know, California, Nevada, Arizona, Colorado, what do you do? You stay inside. You hope you have a gem. You, you try to get out when, you know, the air quality is a little bit better, but if you are someone that has trouble breathing naturally on a good day, it's, it's hard. Um, and we think about how much went you know, how much focus was on mental health when everybody was in lockdown, it's kind of like that on a naturally reoccurring basis. And so, you know, having those people have a better understanding of things that they can do uh, to help in that aspect, you know, you got to, but I'm really hopeful that it's not so bad. Are there things you can do inside your home to help avoid too much getting inside? So, you know, one thing that, that people typically recommend is, is, you know, changing, having a stronger air filter in your system. Um, you know, if, if you're fortunate enough to have AC, some places in Colorado still don't have AC, believe it or not, if you're up in the mountains, um, I know there are places in the country that don't, but, you know, so for them, it, it gets a little tricky, right? You have to kind of shut things down and suck things out at night. And so you kind of have to get creative and, I think it's more of, there are systems that can, you can purchase. Um, if you think of everybody kind of went out and got HEPA filters for their offices to get people back in sooner, those types of things really are powerful and, and can work really well in certain situations, but not everybody can afford those. And so how can we, you know, find ways for them to improve it, those types of things, or at least have a place they can go during the day that does have AC that is indoors, that's more comfortable, you know, whether it's from a public standpoint or a church or a rec center or something along those lines, or maybe it is their office that they can escape to for a little bit to help mitigate, you know, that aspect of their health for at least a little while. Your passion has led you to working with multiple different organizations that are focused on health equity through the things you can do in your home and technology and other things like that. So tell us, what are some of the things that you're really excited to work on through these other organizations? Yeah. So a couple of them, um, one in particular is for health equity and kind of identifying ways that real estate can can really pay attention to their developments and fostering kind of health equity, not only for the development that they're doing, but the surrounding area and the impacts that they can do to improve it. So I'm really excited to see where that kind of stems and, and, and takes place. Because there's a lot of areas, especially if we think of, you know, kind of bigger cities and kind of on the outskirts that have 
been neglected for a while that kind of have this re regrowth coming their way, but making sure that we kind of understand who's there and the impacts that they can do to actually promote that general population without necessarily displacing them. So that's one aspect. The other one is specifically geared towards certifications to have a healthy home. What does that mean? Various builders across the country have their standards of what they're doing. Um, there's specific certifications that you can do from a commercial standpoint, you know, a hotel, a rec center, a restaurant, those types of things, um, office buildings that can, you know, certify you but really understanding those certifications and applying them to the home. And so I'm really excited to kind of dive into that, especially from the new construction side, as we've been talking about and understanding, you know, what it means to have a healthy home um, and identifying not only those kind of certifications, but how we're actually going to communicate it to consumers in a way that they actually look for that in their next home. And then also not only from the new construction, but that, that task force and the advisors that I'll work with also try to figure out is there opportunities to kind of identify things from a resale standpoint that you can go out and get as well. So. So what are some of those things? Cause you said under help consumers understand what it means to have a healthy home. So what does it mean to have a healthy home? So there's, there's various things that so we we've touched on air, we've touched on water, uh, building materials, um, impact to the surrounding area from like a sustainability side. So really those are kind of the biggest buckets. Um, and then there's also the community aspect. So how walkable is your home from various things? How big of an impact is it going to have for you to live there? Do you naturally have to just constantly get in your car to go somewhere? All of those things play into health. If we think about how often you do need to get out and drive, 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 all those things kind of pull into other things environmentally. And so if you have a home that's closer to trails, better access to food, various amenities to where you can come home and actually, you know, walk, bike, etc., cetera, um, it actually creates a better sense of community and overall health and wellness. I love that. And then, yeah. so final question, what are you hopeful to see in home health whether it's from the builder perspective, the developer perspective, the consumer, what are you hoping to see in the next five years that could really make a difference in terms of health equity and in general population health? What I would love to see is, you know, the, the first kind of layer to that, like within the next year, um, really, you know, organizations diving into the, the communication and the education side and just continuously expanding on that. I think that's the, the lowest hanging fruit, the easiest thing people can do to kind of connect those dots. Um, to build on that over the next five years, I'd love to see, you know, healthy homes not necessarily be something that is something that only certain people can acquire and attain. I want it to be attainable for everyone um, in ways that make sense. And so even from like apartment standpoints and those types of things, how can we, how can we create those environments to be healthy for those individuals and not something of, you know, as a parent, you go, I know I could be doing more, but I can't actually do more at this point. Um, so identifying ways to have those options out there for people to look for and actually want to trend and go for, because if that's the case, then the cost of actually doing it from a builder or developer standpoint becomes more affordable. 
And so it's not something that, oh yeah, I can go buy a big fancy filter and then I have the best air quality. It's, you know, how can we make those products more attainable, whether it's a grant or something along those lines um, that allows better decisions for everybody's overall health. So we can start to breathe better, eat better and make kind of better decisions every day versus like one big massive decision every once in a while. I love that. Thank you so much for this conversation and for sharing all of the tips. I think they were really helpful and probably a lot of things that people don't usually think about. So I appreciate you being here and chatting with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you. And thanks you. Thank you all for watching. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.